Have you noticed it's not snowing today? <laughs> For those of you who don't get the joke, I was meant to speak twice in March, once on the 4th of March, and then it, was, it snowed, so I was postponed until the 18th, and guess what? It snowed again. <laughs> But pray for the 20th of May, because I'm going to do that sermon then. <laughs> Joshua stood at the end of the camp. He wondered to himself, how could this have happened to me? How could I have done it? It's true, he said to himself, that I wasn't the only one to make the mistake. But I was meant to be the wise man. Wasn't... It me, where Moses put his hands on me and prayed for me and I had the gift of wisdom. When I received the spirit of wisdom, yes, the Holy Spirit came on me and I was given wisdom. But I wasn't wise this time, was I? I messed up. And yet God had been so good. Everything had seemed to go so well, well, at least most of the time. And when it did go wrong, at least it wasn't my fault. When we came to the land and we're going to go over the Jordan River, God said, I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to make you great amongst the people of Israel. And he did. When the Levites and the priests took the Ark of the Covenant and stepped into the River Jordan, which was in full flood, the waters banked up and we went across in dry land. And the people said, yes, this is fantastic. He is like Moses. He is our leader. And then we came to Jericho. Yes, Jericho. We didn't lay siege to it like you're meant to. God told us to do something very strange and people accepted it. They believed in it. They said, God said, go round the city once for six days and you're to take the priests with their trumpets. They're to be in front of the Ark of the Covenant and you'll go round the city. There'll be soldiers in front and soldiers behind and you'll blow the trumpets, but you're not to say anything. And they did it for six days. Quiet, not even a whisper, until... On the seventh day, they went round seven times, quiet again to the very last day, very last time they went round. And then they gave a long blast on the trumpets, and they all shouted. Joshua said, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the walls came down, except for where Rahab the prostitute was, who had hidden the spies. And they went and got Rahab out, it was a great day. They took the city. Now, God had given them a command not to take anything out of the city. He said, you're to destroy everything. Everything is to be ruined, even the animals. And you're not to take any of the goods. They're to be given to God. They will be used to build the place where we're going to sacrifice and worship God in the future. But one man did. One man took some stuff. <coughs> and no one knew for a while, because the next town that they were going to attack was a town called Ai. I call it a town. They, they used to call it a city, 
But when the spies went out, they found it such a teeny-weeny place. I'm not sure it deserved the title town. They said, this is a pushover. This is going to be a cinch. We don't need the army. We just need two or 3,000 soldiers, and we can sort this. And they went out, 3,000 men, and they went to attack AI. And when they got there, the people of AI, the men of AI, came out and counterattacked, and they lost all their confidence. They ran away from AI all the way to the stone quarries, and 36 men were killed. Joshua and the leaders were aghast. They threw dust on their heads. They lay on the ground, and Joshua prayed. And basically, he blamed God. Why have you brought us over the river? Why did you bring us here if your name's going to be trounced, if we're going to be humiliated? What about your people? What about your great name? God said, get on your feet. Stand up. There's sin in the camp. And I'll show you how we're going to find it. And they gathered all the people together, tribe by tribe. I want you to imagine the scene. There are all the tribes. And God says, we're going to go through and find out which one it is. So we go to the tribe of Gad. Is it them? No. Is it Zebulun? No. Is it Naphtali? No. Judah? Yes. And we go through every clan until we get to the Saharites. Yes, it's them. And we go then through every family. Yes, it's Dimri. And it's his son, Achan. Joshua spoke to Achan, confess, we know it's you. What have you done? And he confessed. Joshua sent messengers. They went to his tent and they dug it up at the floor underneath the tent and found this beautiful Babylonian robe, gold and silver. They stoned Achan and his family. But God said, I'm going to give you AI. I'm going to put it into your hands. And this is how you're going to do it. Take 35,000 men and go over by night and hide them at the back of the town. And the rest of you go in the morning. So they did. They, Joshua in the morning got up. He already sent the 35,000 men to hide behind the town. And then they went to attack Ai. And all the men of Ai came out. I think they must have thought, we'll really get these Israelites this time. We'll sort them out. And Joshua and his men just allowed them to think that they would. They fled. They acted as if they were cowards again and went back. And then Joshua gave the signal that God had told him to do. He pointed his javelin at Ai, and the men from behind the town came out, and they went in and burnt it. And then someone from Ai looked back and saw the town in flames and saw the smoke rising, and they suddenly realized that there were men coming to attack their rear and that the Israelites in front of them had turned round, and they were trapped. 
Joshua did something surprising in a way next. He didn't go on to attack the next town. What he did is he went to, there are two hills or mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and he stood in front of them. They built an altar there, and the whole population of Israel went there. Half the population stood on Mount Ebal, half on Mount Gerizim, and they read the whole law. They had sacrifices first, and then they went through the whole law of Moses. I don't know how long it took them. Can you imagine the scene? We're halfway through Exodus and another three books to go. But they did. They read it. They had the whole book of the law. They went through the whole lot. Joshua thought, so how could I have got it so wrong after that? The land, there were many cities waiting to attack Joshua. But the next one on the list, the next obvious one to attack was a town called Gibeon. And the Gibeonites were more intelligent than the rest. They were. They had brains and they used them. They said, look, every time somebody fights against Israel, their God, Yahweh, he defeats them. There's no point us fighting. We're going to get beaten. We'll have to do something else. And the Gibeonites knew something else as well. They knew that God had told Moses that they couldn't make a treaty or make peace with anyone who was in Canaan, who was west of the Jordan. But if they were from far away, they could. So they hatched a plan. They got all their old clothes out for a delegation. They dressed in rags, basically. They found sandals that were worn and tattered and really needed to be thrown away. And they got their old wineskins that were about to chuck out, who were all scratched and bothered and bits. And they said, and they took that with some bread, which was mouldy and dry, and got on their donkeys and went to Gilgal. When they got there, they asked, We've come to be your servants. And Joshua and the leader said, Who are you? And they said, Oh, we've come from a long way away. But how do we know that you've come from a long way away? Well, when we set off, our clothes were perfect. Look at these wineskins. They were great. And our bread, it was freshly baked and warm. And the leaders tasted the bread. Now, I can't imagine why they did that. But they tasted the bread to see that it was real. And they thought, oh, yeah, they did. And this, the, the Gibeonites said this. They said, oh, we know how powerful your God is. We saw how he brought you out of Egypt. We saw how you defeated Shion, king of Hezbollah, and how he killed Og, king of Bashan. And that was clever. Because you see... That were all the old battles. They didn't mention uh, Joshua's victory at Jericho or Ai. So it seemed as if they'd been on a long journey. And the Israelites decided, Joshua decided to make a treaty. And they swore by God, the God of Israel, that they would have peace forever. And the Bible has this wonderful comment 
which tell, is so telling, they did not consult the Lord. They did not consult the Lord. Three days later, they found out the truth. They were furious, the Israelites. We're going to kill them all. They've conned us. We've been duped. But Joshua said, no, we've sworn by the Lord, the God of Israel, we can't blacken his name. But they went to Gibeon, and they called the leaders and said, why have you done this? Why have you deceived us? You live amongst us. And they said, well, well you were going to kill us. So we did this, and we deceived you. Joshua said, we won't kill you, but you'll be our servants forever. When we build the temple, when we make a place for us worship, you'll be the ones who will bring the wood and the water for us. You will serve us forever. Joshua wondered why he got conned. Why hadn't he asked the Lord? Why? He could have just prayed. He could have just consulted with the priest. He didn't do anything. Why had he been conned? He was standing there wondering this when messengers came to him and said, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, has come with four other kings to attack Gibeon. These messengers came from Gibeon. Come and help us. You're going to let us down. You've sworn a treaty. You've got to come and help us. And Joshua and his army went overnight and attacked them. And as he went, God said to him, I'm going to, don't you be afraid, Joshua. Don't be afraid of anything. Because I'm going to give them into your hands. You are going to win. And Joshua went forward and he attacked them. And they had a tremendous battle. And they drove the people from Jerusalem, the people from Eglon, the people from Jeremiah and so on. All these people, they drove them down the hills. And then there was a massive hailstorm which killed more people in the hail than in the battle. And it went on. And Joshua did an amazing thing. He put his hand up and prayed that the sun would stay still and the moon wouldn't move. Now, I don't understand the physics here, but God did a mighty miracle that day. And it was. And no sooner that happened, really, than there was a king of the north called Hazor. It goes on, doesn't it? He wanted to fight the Israelites. And God told Joshua to go up and fight them. Now, the Israelites were really scared of Hazor and the king there because they had the best modern technology in warfare, chariots and horses, which seems nothing to us in our modern day, but were terrifying then. They had nothing to stop it. But God said, don't worry about the chariots, because by this time tomorrow you would have burnt them, and by... This time tomorrow, you'd have hamstrung the horses. And they came across them at the waters of Mammon and destroyed them. And then there was peace. You'll find all that in Joshua, first 11 chapters, particularly 6 to 11. And the bit about being laid on in hands you'll find in Deuteronomy 34. Do check me out. Do pick up my um, artistic license in places. 
you can tell me if I've got it wrong. That would be good. Because you'd have read the passage then, wouldn't you? So that would be great. I think when we come to Joshua, often we can't see the wood for the trees. It's a book that maybe we struggle with, some of us, because it seems so historic. All these battles. But the thing is, it's not really the most significant isn't the battles and the history. It's about what God does and what he did. Did you notice that every time Joshua follows what God says, every time God spoke to him and the people of Israel obeyed, then they had success. When they didn't, like at Ai, when they sinned, or at Gibeon, where they were deceived, it all went wrong. Yes, even a man of God like Joshua could be conned, could be deceived. Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever been conned out of anything? No, I don't know. Lots of people are. They, you hear terrible stories, don't you? People who have lost their life savings and they've lost everything. There was something in the paper yesterday about um, people on holidays just booking some. There was a story about someone who lost £900 trying to book a holiday in Amsterdam through an internet site and the place didn't exist. Lost, conned. It's easy. And what's the message and all this stuff, isn't it? Don't think it couldn't happen to you. There's a, even though have you heard this advert on the radio about investments, ring this number of the government to check that this business is on like is real. Have you ever heard that one? Going back to the story, this is Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim at Shechem. Shechem is now known by a different name. It's called Nablus. It's um, a Palestinian town in, in the West Bank. This is a better view of it, because here you could see how it actually worked. Joshua was stood in the middle, and this is a natural amphitheater. And if, when he speaks, when he reads the book of the law, everyone can hear him. It's an amazing place. It's a natural amphitheater. And they went through the whole book of the law. But even after that, they were deceived. They, they were conned. They just worshipped God. They just heard the Bible as far as they knew it in those days. And yet they would let God down the next time. It's easy to come and worship, but it's what happens when we go away, isn't it? it what, this is a verse we've had recently a lot, I think. We ought to have it a lot. Do not merely listen to them. In fact, Han quoted it, I think, this morning, didn't she? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Deception. It's easy just to hear, isn't it? And my prayer this morning is really that I, what I really would love is that it made a difference what was said this morning. Not that I'm saying it, but what God is saying I really want to make a difference tomorrow morning and so on in real life. That's where we need to be 
not just listening to the words and so deceive yourself. Oh, we had a lovely service. That doesn't matter. But do we take it in? Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. So that's, this is with Joshua's problem. He heard the word. He spoke it, but he didn't do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. For whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We mustn't deceive ourselves. We mustn't just be listeners. We must be doers of the word. Do not be deceived. The New Testament and the whole Bible, in fact, is full of the ideas of not being deceived. Just as the government keep telling us don't be deceived by people, investments or fake websites or whatever, the Bible says don't be deceived. And what's that deception about? It's the difference between being, following the spirit and following the flesh. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. God is real. We have to deal with him. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of faith. This is the difference. Are we in the, following the Spirit or are we following our own desires? Are we going for what we want? Are we going to do it our way? Are we going to do it my way? My brother, who's uh, a lay reader in the Anglican church, says it's amazing how many funerals he's been to and they played that song, I Did It My Way. How amazing. What a song to play at your funeral to say about you. I hope when it comes to my time to go, they'll say, you did it God's way. I say not from arrogance, but that's what I would really like in my heart. You did it my way. No, let's do it God's way. Let's do it in the Spirit. And this is the clash. If we don't follow the Spirit, if we don't follow God's way, if we don't give ourselves to him, then we're doing it our way, in opposition to him. We can be self-deceived as well, can't we? We can deceive ourselves. Of course, I don't have any self-deception. <laughs> I'm not. No, I haven't deceived myself at all. Um, and I know what you're thinking. If you've deceived yourself, you wouldn't know, would you? It's true. How do we find out? How do we know whether we've been deceived or not? Let's look at another verse, this last one. If we claim to be without sin, John says in 1 John, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out a liar, and his word is not in us. 
I know what you're going to say, they, you might be thinking. You're going to repeat what Roger said last week and what you've said every time you seem to preach, Martin, that we need to be looking objectively outside ourselves. Read our Bible. Do Go to, to God in prayer. Keep in the fellowship. Listen to the teaching on Sunday morning. Go to our small groups. Do all the basic stuff. Yes, I am. Because we need that that says, that speaks to us. That says, hang on. We need the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and say, this is what God is saying to us about this, about that. We need to do it. Joshua had this gift of wisdom. Wisdom in the Bible is different from being clever like the Gibeonites. Jesus told it quite simply in a story that most of you will know, the parable that most of you will know so well about a man building on the rock and about the, the sand. Yeah, He bought it, built his house in the wadi where the river comes. It's like a winterbourne, only the other way round. When the rains come, it washes it all away. And God said, who's the wise man? The man who follows what I teach. It's following Jesus that makes us wise. Joshua didn't ask the Lord. We need to come to him. We need to come before God and seek his face when there are problems, when there are decisions in our lives. We need to be not cons and just think that we know best. Now, I think it was Brother Lawrence who um, wasn't here who prayed about every single thing he did. I'm not can't say that I do that. I didn't pray about what whether I should have toast or cereal this morning for breakfast. I have to admit. And sometimes I think God just says to us, if we worry about it too much, well, you just make up your mind. I don't care. He probably doesn't say I'm. We don't care because he's God and he really loves us. But we need to come before him and seek. When I first went out with Jenny, um, we discovered after a little while that we'd both been praying that if this relationship wasn't right, that it would end. And we, we have to say, we didn't know until, we, um, until later when we discovered that we'd both been praying it. The more we prayed it, the more it got better, actually, which was great. Uh, I think we've been married 45 years this year, isn't it? So oh, <laughs> that was great. And sometimes I think, well, at least I've got one thing right in my life. <laughs> and then God says, but do you remember that prayer? It was me. I, the difference between that relationship, my relationship with my wife, how it started, and others was that I did bring it to God and say, it's your will, not mine. And that's so important, it's God's will. Now, I want to tell you that not everything went perfectly. This isn't one of those stories where Jenny and I have never had a row, I never had a problem in our marriage, or don't to run away. In fact, the morning I was going to get married, I thought, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> this could go so wrong. But I know that God was in it. And that's been really important when there are those tough times. 
I know we prayed about it and God led me and this was something right for us. And we need to be praying. We need to be testing where we are against the scriptures, against what other people say. And the last thing I want to say is that sometimes in life, when we do things, there are consequences. When we mess things up, God will forgive us. God will forgive us. But sometimes we can't change the circumstances. You know, when Paul and Barnabas fought, they went their separate ways. They never came back together. There's times when I've lost my temper with people. I ruined relationships. We can't be put back together the same way. There may, maybe sometimes we go away from the Lord or we just go on going through the motions but we're not really in touch with God. And we wasted all that time. We can't get it back. Joshua had to accept the Gibeonites. It wasn't meant to be, but he couldn't change it. And in our lives, sometimes we've done things and there are consequences to this day. We can't change it. But the good news is that God can bring good things out of our mistakes. Out of where we mess up, he can still bring good things. So the Gibeonites really came into the people of Israel. They came in. We know that they were still there. In the time of David, we discovered that Saul had persecuted them. Saul had persecuted the Gibeonites because they weren't proper Israelites. Like so many kings and rulers before, they picked on a minority. And he picked on the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites came to David and they wanted, uh, they wanted justice. And he gave it to them. We don't hear of them again. And I guess they just got merged with the Israelite population. So maybe amongst the Jews of today, there is some DNA of the Gibeonites, but they came into the people of God. And yet, later on, when Solomon went to make a sacrifice to the Lord, he went to Gibeon. Yes, he did. There was an altar there before they built the temple in Jerusalem. He went to Gibeon. And there... He had this dream, and God appeared to him and said, what gift do you want? And do you remember the story? You asked for wisdom. Joshua didn't use his wisdom over Gibeon, but Solomon did ask for it. We need wisdom, and that wisdom is to follow Jesus, put him first in our lives, and to be subservient to him. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Joshua. We thank you for the good things he did. We thank you that we can learn from his mistakes. And we pray that we may have real wisdom in our lives and put Jesus first in everything we do. Help us to recognize what that means in reality, in practice, Lord, that we may be able to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.